isn't it true? I mean, we, we, we could all use some good news, right? I mean, when you think about it, uh, I watch those clips in that, well, that series video that we show at the very beginning there, and it, it does. It feels like the world's gone crazy, you know, and, um, but you, you just kind of wonder to yourself, will it ever end? Uh, because it seems like, you know, every day, you know, no matter if you watch the news or if you kind of scroll through the news on Twitter, I mean, every day there's just the story of another shooting. Uh, there's another fire or uh, another storm. Uh, there's another scandal, another confession, new allegations. There's another threat. And, well, maybe for you, maybe for some of you here today, it's not just the national news that's made this uh, a tough year, but maybe for some of you this morning, uh, it's the struggles in your own personal life. Um, because what we've talked about in, well, what that video seems to kind of highlight it just doesn't even get at what it is that, that maybe you're going through and maybe what's heavy uh, on your heart today. Maybe for some of you, it's just kind of that continued suffering from an illness. And uh, man, it's been some time now, or maybe it's new, uh, but it's taken a toll on, on your body. And uh, certainly there's the fear that's attached with it. Maybe it's not your illness. Uh, maybe just someone you love, maybe a kid, or again, just somebody that's close to you. We, we all know the the pain and the toll that broken relationships uh, take on our lives. And again, sometimes those are relationships that are on our very own house. Maybe it has to do with your marriage right now, or uh, maybe it's a relationship and, and the challenge of it with, with a child or at least a, a friend, or maybe somebody you call a former friend. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you've lost a loved one this past year. And so therefore, there's, well, there's somebody very important to you that won't be sitting there at Christmas and uh, you're already anticipating how difficult that may be. We know there's betrayal, there's trouble with children, there's the financial burdens, and then here comes Christmas, right? And what's supposed to be like this exciting, wonderful time of the year, Christmas just has this way of magnifying the herd. I think the song says, well, we need some good news, baby, right? Well, here's what we're going to do. Here's our hope and what we're running after these next few weeks. Uh, we we want to deliver. We want to really talk about, we really want to highlight the fact, we want to be reminded that we have good news, uh, that as followers of Jesus, as a, as a church, there is good news for us in the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's the hope for my life. I know He's the hope for many of you. He's certainly the hope for our church. He's He's the hope for our world, that we have a Savior uh, in Jesus Christ. So I'm going to invite you to take your Bibles uh, this morning, if you would, and open to Luke chapter 2. Uh, Luke chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1 there. If you want to use one of the Bibles in the room, it's on page 715. Uh, if you use something like the Version app on your phone, feel free to go there with us. Luke chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1, Luke is one of two gospel writers uh, that theologians uh, say provide what's called an infancy narrative, all right, where it, they highlight and discuss uh, the days of the birth of Jesus Christ. And certainly Luke's is one of the most notable. And I thought with that in mind and with it being Christmas, it'd be fun to have a special guest uh, to read some of these verses here for us this morning. So check out the side screens for that. Is there anyone that. who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Which is Christ the Lord. 
and this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. What a great story, right? In fact, it's the greatest story ever told, and not just the Charlie Brown version of it too, which I, I adore and I would probably say is my favorite uh, Christmas cartoon, but, but, but the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is a spectacular story, and the good news is just this. The good news is that God sent His Son, the creator of this world, He sent His Son uh, to the world 2,000 years ago when He came as a Savior which means, which we believe, that he came to rescue us, that he came to rescue you and me. In the NIV translation, the angel announces the good news to the shepherds like this. As, I, as Linus said just a moment ago, look at, look at those words with me. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10. In fact, let's read this together, okay? It's on the screen. Let's all read it out loud together. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the the Lord. This morning, I want to talk to you again about why this is good news for us as we open up this three-week series. But first, I want to help you understand, all right, as we get started today, about why this was good news to a world that was spinning out of control 2,000 years ago. And to help you understand what life was like on planet Earth when Jesus was born, I want to take you back for just a moment to five words, all right, five words written by Luke in Luke chapter 2 verse 1 that gives us a little bit of an indication with some help of what was going on on planet earth when Jesus was born. And here's what I mean. Check out these words with me if you would. From Luke chapter 2 verse 1, you've got some arrangement of these words in your Bible depending on what translation you're reading, but look what Luke records. He says, in those days, Caesar Augustus. And let's just stop there for a moment and let me explain what's going on here. Luke is the writer here. Luke was a historian. He was known for his details. He's the writer of these accounts that are known as the Gospel of Luke. But as we talked about last week, he's also the historian, the writer for the book of Acts for us. These first five words might not mean much to us, but to the Jewish man and Jewish woman back in Jesus' day, these words are packed full of significance. Because here's what Luke is basically saying to us. He's saying, hey, here's what the world was like when Jesus was born into it. And my friend, And teacher Brad Gray explains it like this. He says, it would be like Luke saying, in the days of the Holocaust, or in the days of Pearl Harbor, or in the days of Martin Luther King Jr., or in the days of 9-11, or in the days of ISIS. I think you get the point, right? You say a few words, maybe a memorable event, and you get a picture of what life was like then. For Luke's listeners and for the Jews at the time of Jesus' birth, those days, all right, mean the days of Roman occupation and dominance. Rome was ruled by the world that Jesus was born, or Rome ruled the world when Jesus was born into it, and the Roman Empire, as illustrated here by this map with everything in red, all right, stretched as far as modern-day England to the north and as far east as what is known as Iran today and including 
Israel. Now, how in the world did they achieve their power and their greatness? Well, if you think back to your history days, they ruled by force. Rome ruled by might. They ruled by terror. And when necessary, they slaughtered, they enslaved, they raped, they pillaged. And when that didn't work, they employed a tactic that is known as crucifixion. Now, the Romans didn't invent crucifixion, but they're given credit for having perfected crucifixion. They were so good at crucifixion that they bragged at being able to maximize pain and suffering for the victim, keeping someone alive on a cross for up to three days at a time. They knew what they were doing, too, when they crucified individuals in public places. Because for the Romans, it wasn't so much about punishment as much as it was about making a statement. And their public statement was just simply this, we're in charge, surrender, or else. And so this is the world that Jesus Christ was born into, and it's why Luke was able to write and say, in those days. It was a time of fear, it was a time of terror and oppression, and a Roman emperor by the name of Caesar Augustus. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Caesar Augustus also known as Octavian, which was his birth name. He was born Gaius Octavian in 63 B. Octavian was a grand nephew to a well-known guy by the name of Julius Caesar. All right, Julius Caesar. Now, Julius Caesar presided over Rome from 46 to 44 BC. And if you remember his story from your middle school uh, history class, he was assassinated by two guys by the name of Brutus and Cassius. All right, and so they killed him in 44 BC. Now, because Rome thought so highly of Julius Caesar, the Roman Senate deified him in 42 BC. And what does it mean to deify someone? It means to basically elevate them to status of a god, all right? They worshiped Julius Caesar as if he was a god. Now, Julius Caesar adopted his grandnephew Octavian before his death, and his will declared that his son now, Octavian, should be the next ruler of Rome. And for that reason, Octavian, once known as the son of Julius Caesar, or maybe even better, the son of God. Now, Octavian was great at his job. He was really good at his job, at least in the eyes of the Roman Senate. He's given credit for ushering in a period in Roman history known as the Pax Romana or the Peace of Rome or maybe even better, the Peace on Earth. And how did Rome achieve this peace on earth? By terror, by force, by submission and oppression, not by diplomacy. Fast forward, if you would, to 27 BC. Octavian was made emperor of Rome and given the name Caesar Augustus, which means great or venerable one and has incredible religious implications. And I wish that I had a the time to go through a number of historical references with you from the days of Caesar Augustus where different historians speak to who he was, what Rome thought of him, and what Caesar Augustus said about himself, but here's what I'm going to do instead. I'm going to provide a link uh, today on my Twitter or on my Facebook page uh, to my buddy, Brad Gray. He did a 55-minute teaching on Caesar Augustus, and so a lot of what I'm sharing with you, he does in a much better way, and you can hear that over an hour, and I'll tell you it's worth your time. But can I just tell you some of the things that were said about Caesar Augustus from his day from these different historians? Check out these words on the side screen. He was known as the Son of God. 
He was referred to as the one who would bring peace on earth. There were those that spoke of him that said he would bring salvation for all humanity, that he himself would bring about a forgiveness of sins, and he was often referred to as Savior and Lord. Now, I'll just share one of these historical documents with you, and it's a historical artifact known as the Priene Calendar Inscription. Let me just insert here. This is way above my education level, all right? And so I know that I'm looking real smart here, okay? But trust me, all right? I don't read these things every day all the time, but I just find this very fascinating. This is known as the Priene Calendar Inscription. It was found somewhere in southwest Turkey. Many believe it dates back to 9 BC, all right? Just a few years before. Before Jesus was born. It's on display today in the Berlin Museum in Germany, if you want to check it out for yourself. Uh, these words here were meant to commemorate the birth and the life of Caesar Augustus and the significance of it, and look what was said about him. And I'll give it to you in English. Since providence, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, whom she filled with virtue that he might benefit humankind, sending him as what? Savior, both for us and for our descendants, that he might end war and arrange all things. Again, these are the things that were spoken of about Caesar Augustus. And since he, Caesar, by his appearance, excelled even in our, even our anticipations, surpassing all previous benefactors and not even leaving to posterity any hope of surpassing what he has done. And since the birthday of the God of Augustus was the beginning of the gospel, which is the Greek word euangelion, it means good news. It was the good news. They believed that Caesar Augustus was the beginning of the good news of the world, and this was the world that Jesus was born into. In those days, Caesar Augustus. And if you were a Jew living under the oppression of Rome at the time, if you were Joseph and Mary, it was a painful world, full of fear, full of force, and full of suffering. And keeping all of that in mind, can you understand the significance of the angel's announcement again in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, when Luke records, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping over their watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the one who will come to save the people from their sins, the Lord. In that simple passage, two meager verses, we see at least five reasons why Christmas was good news then and why it's good news for us here this morning. If you're taking notes and you want to follow along, the first one is this. Christmas means for us that it banishes fear. Uh, Christmas is good news because it banishes fear. What's the very first thing the angels said when they appeared to the shepherds? Their words were, do not be afraid. Our family went out west a few years ago and uh, had some time at Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and it was an incredible vacation together, and my kids love to hike, all right? They really love to hike, but there were, as, as a, a loving parent, there were signs to watch out for bears 
everywhere, all right? I mean, every trail you dared hike on, there was a warning about grizzly bears and grizzly bear activity in the area. Well, our kids wouldn't give up. They really wanted to go on kind of a significant sort of a hike and so on. One of our last days, we finally gave in at the Grand Tetons and we found a hike that was a couple miles out, a couple miles back. And here's a picture uh, of our family, again, from a few years ago as we're out on this trail. And you can immediately see how dense these woods are, all right? I mean, there's a bear hiding in there somewhere, all right? They could just jump out at any moment. Well, my family didn't realize this, but, but as we started out of the car and started on this trail, I reached down and I picked up two rocks and there was a whistle on the ground. And so I picked it up too and I put it in my pocket and I just kind of thought, you never know. You know, I might need these for something. Well, we took our hike and we had a beautiful hike and went out to a lake. We saw a moose, all right? And then we turned and we came back. We made it all the way back to the car and I was somewhat relieved and I kind of walked up next to my wife and I took these two rocks and whistle out and I said, well, I guess I won't be needing these and, you know, put them in the trash. And she she was like, what in the world were you going to do with two rocks and a whistle? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I wasn't going to lay down and let a bear eat me or anything like that. You know, I, I wasn't going to go down without a fight. But uh, hey, fear's a crippling emotion, isn't it? Like when fear consumes you, when it's all you can think about is the fear of this or the, the fear of that, it, it causes you to to act irrationally. It causes soldiers to, to freeze up in the heat of battle. It causes us to put our, our trust in things like money or to put our, our, our trust in things like weapons instead of relationships. So fear has this ability to get a hold of us and to consume us and really cause us inaction. But here's what Christmas says. Christmas says we don't have to be afraid. That if you've put your hope in the Lord, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, You don't have to live out of fear. In fact, this is the most frequent command in all of Scripture. And if you include fear not and and, uh, do not be afraid and have courage, this command is given hundreds of times. One count I saw says at least 300 times. You you see it when Joshua is ready to lead uh, the people, God's chosen people, into the promised land. And his encouragement was do not be afraid. Take courage. Do not be afraid when the disciples of Jesus, you know, and we just finished 13 weeks studying the life and ministry of Jesus. You remember the story when the disciples were out on the boat, when the Sea of Galilee and the winds picked up and the waves picked up, Jesus walks out on the water and he says to them, do not be afraid. And even the Apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Timothy that God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power. Now, undoubtedly, there's a healthy fear, right? There's a healthy fear that well, it is a good instinct in life, and there's a fear that's designed to keep us from reckless behavior or grizzly bears, right, or snakes or whatever they must be, but, but most of our fear can be pretty irrational. I mean, I think it was Mark Twain that once said, who famously said, I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happened, most of which never came to be. See, God doesn't want fear to control you. He doesn't want fear to consume us. That's why John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, he says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Why is Christmas good news? Why can this time of the year be good news for us? Because we're reminded that it banishes fear. That we don't have to live our lives afraid. The second reason that Christmas is good news is because it brings great joy. Now, we're going to talk extensively about this next Sunday, all right? But, but the angel said this is good news of great joy. Flip back to Luke chapter 1, 
uh, for just a moment, if you would. Let's look at Mary for a second and her response in finding out that she's pregnant. Now, Mary was a very young woman, uh, likely young teenage girl at this point. We don't know for sure, but some suspect she was young as 13 or 14 years of age, maybe a little bit of an older teen. By the way, uh, it would have been culturally appropriate for her to be engaged even at the age of 13 uh, at this time. Now, pregnant during the engagement, not so much, all right? Again, that would have been uh, a controversy even then. So Mary, if you know the story, she discovers that she's pregnant. Uh, and what's her response? Well, she sings, all right? Look at Luke 1 for a second. Uh, Luke 1, 46. Uh, Luke records, and Mary said, or a better translation is sings, Mary sings, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Now, notice that she sings out of joy, all right? The, the word rejoices comes from joy here. Now, if you're a teenage girl and you find out you're pregnant, I'm guessing this wouldn't be your first response, all right, to sing out of joy, or at least it, it shouldn't be, but, but see, Christmas is different. All right, and this story is different because the birth of Jesus, all right, brings about great joy. And just to be clear, and I know that I think probably for every one of us, we're guilty at mixing this up from time to time, but joy is different than happiness. All right, we're talking about different things here. Uh, happiness comes and go, goes in our life. Ha uh, happiness is based on those circumstances around us and how they affect us. It's, it's dependent on these circumstances, but joy uh, is a part of us. Uh, uh, Galatians says uh, that, that it's a fruit of the Spirit, which means that joy comes from God, that joy is something that God produces in your life as you trust Him, as you spend time with Him, uh, as you lean on Him, as you turn to Him, as you put your hope in Him. But like I said, we'll talk a little more about what it means to live a life of joy uh, next week. But the, the third reason that Christmas is good news is this, because it's for all people. Christmas is good news because it's for all people. The, the angel said to the shepherds, again, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for whom? For all the people, for all people. See, the glory of Christmas uh, the good news about Christmas and the birth of our Savior is that it's not reserved for people of just one nation. Uh, we're not talking about just one people group here. It's not limited to one color. It's not limited to one language. It's not limited to one age or one height or one weight or to a socioeconomic class or to one sex or even one religion. Because the message is good for those who would say I'm a Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or even an atheist or a doubter, they can all know the glory of Jesus at Christmas. But it all comes down to trusting Christ. It's choosing to put our hope and to put our faith and our trust in Christ. Look at what Jesus said about this in John chapter 3, even about his own life and why he came and why this is good news for all people. Look at John chapter 3, verse 16. It was Jesus that said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that what? That whoever, again, all people, his news available for all people that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And then sometime later, one of the disciples of Jesus, Peter, said even these words about God and about Jesus in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It was he that said, for he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but what? Everyone. Everyone to come to repentance. Again, this good news is available to all people to those who would put their trust in Christ. The good news of Christmas, the good news of our Savior, Jesus Christ, is that it's for all people, but it's not just for all people. 
All right, it's not just for all people because that has the potential to be way too impersonal. Because Christmas is also good news for number four because it's for me. All right, because it's for me and, and because it's for you here this morning. Now, I know that may seem redundant, of course, that it's for all people. And I'm a person, so it's for me, right? But Jesus was a gift to the whole world, no doubt. But sometimes I think that becomes too impersonal for us. We may gloss over what that really means for my life when we don't stop and recognize that the good news is for me. Right, the good news is for you. Christ's love, his life, his salvation, his forgiveness is for you. Look at those words again in Luke 2, 11, The angel pronounced, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I just, I want you to see, I want you to try and weigh how a message like this can become incredibly personal if you'll let it, if you'll allow it, that he was born to you, that the creator of the world sent his son for me. Jesus was God's Christmas gift, if you would, for me. And this is so important for us to grasp. It's so important for you to grasp, to wrestle with at some point in your life. Because for me, for a long time, I knew the truth that Jesus was sent as a gift to this world. But until I internalized it, because, uh, until I accepted that for myself, be, uh, until I made a decision regarding that for me personally, that I believed and put my trust and hope in it and was baptized as a way of demonstrating that, well, that's when it really changed for me. And maybe that's your story. And for many of you, your story. But if not, why not? If not, why not? What is it that's holding you back? Uh, what's the difference that, may, that, that Christ could make even for your own life? If you, if you let this year, if you let the reality of this story uh, be your hope and be everything that changes you. You know, at Christmas, we can let the crowds bum us out. The parties, the get-togethers, the family events and dinners, those can overwhelm us. We can get beaten down by shopping and crowds. And, well, some of us can really be really hurt, too, by the loneliness that comes with Christmas. And sometimes when those things happen, we can't be turned around by the idea of Jesus as a gift to the whole world. But if we let it, if you'll let it, the reality that we have a personal God with a very personal touch, and he's a great gift giver, and he knows exactly what you need, and maybe that's part of the reason why he brought you here today. He knows exactly what you need, because the good news for you, the good news for all of us is that he sent Jesus for you. He sent him for you, and when God sent his son to the earth, he knew about you, and he knew what your life would involve, and your circumstances, and your story. And so he sent his son as, a, as the solution to, to all of that. The last thing is this, Christmas is good news because, well, it's about a Savior. And what does a Savior do? A Savior saves, and, and that's what Jesus' name means. He is the one who came to save, and his birth... Uh, his birth marked the arrival of a new kingdom on earth, one that would stand in direct contrast to Caesar Augustus' rule and reign on this planet. 
And I just want you to know this morning that while the challenges of pain and suffering and hurt and fear surround each of us today, the truth of Christmas is that Jesus for us is good news. He's good news that a Savior of the world came and he lived his life on this planet and he modeled life and the way that life should be lived for each of us and he gave his life on the cross. And we know and we believe, we're confident that he defeated death once and for all when he gave his life on the cross and when God raised him from the dead. And he's alive. And he's our hope. And I hope for you that you will know the truth and the power of a story and of a life that has the potential to change everything for you, to transform your life, maybe even beginning today, that Christ saves, that Christ can save you, that he can give you hope, that he can give you a, a reason and a new purpose to live in this world. Look at, look at Jesus' words one more time from John three sixteen. Again, Jesus said, for God so loved the world Maybe make it personal for just a moment and put your name there. For God so loved Paul that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's a yes or no question. Have you ever, have you ever put your trust in Jesus Christ? Put your hope in him. Surrendered your life to him. Ask him to be your savior and the Lord of your life. Can I just say that maybe for some of you, that's why he has you here today. That our God knows what you need and that he is able to help and he's willing to help and he can heal and that might take time but he can heal you and restore you and he can give you hope can give you a purpose and he can forgive your sins and maybe that's what he's after with your life for some of you today and for others of you and for Christians and for those of you that maybe have been around this a really long time maybe you've even got a moment in your life that marks you that moment that you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ that you were baptized as a public demonstration of just that but maybe maybe you forgot or maybe the power of that is in some way, well, it's lost its grip on you. And maybe today's a day of coming back to that. And maybe the work that God wants to do in you is to open up your eyes and open up your heart to what he's accomplished in you and all of the difference that that can make in your life today and in the weeks to come, maybe even in 2018. He's a God that can transform us. He sent his son as our savior. Let's pray. And as we pray this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give some of you just a moment that if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ before, if you've never tr put your faith and your trust in him, I just want you to know that you can do that today, right now where you're seated. And it doesn't take anything fancy. It doesn't take any eloquent words. But it really is just kind of reaching out to him in your own way and saying, Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. Will you save me? Maybe you're ready to do something like that, pray something like that. And, and if that's you, and if that's where you are right now, maybe just pray along with me. Pray these words, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. Will you save me? Forgive me? 
Rescue me from this place that I'm in. Give me new life and new hope in you beginning today. And I promise you that if that's you and if that's the prayer that you prayed right now, I promise you I am confident that you belong to God. You can have this confidence of saying, I'm a child of God, that I have been forgiven, that my life has been saved by Jesus Christ. And I know that, man, putting all that together and understanding where to go from here, I, I, I realize some of the confusion and challenge that can come with that. And so would you talk to somebody? If that's a prayer that you've prayed or a prayer that you might be ready to pray, would you talk to somebody this morning? We'll have people up front here in just a few minutes, and you can come up after the service, and we'll take as long as you need. I'll be up here. I'd love to talk with you about these things. Or maybe you came with somebody today. Uh, Maybe somebody invited you to come along, somebody that you know is a part of this church. Would you let them know what you're wrestling with or a decision that you've made this morning and let them talk you through next steps? They'd love to be a friend and kind of help you get started in your new relationship with God. It's the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. And for the rest of us, let me just pray. Father, would you focus our mind and our hearts on you no matter the circumstances that we face right now. And just allow us to see the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and the joy that can come through it. Help us each day and today to live by you and through you, Lord, you and us, Father, so that we can be light to the world, so that we can share the message of Jesus with others. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.